uh, I went to the University of Georgia, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I my first day on campus uh, was right around when REM's Murmur uh, was released. So I was in the uh, what was called alternative rock uh, capital of the world at that time, uh, right as it was all happening, and it was a beautiful thing. And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. But today we are going to Game of Thrones, maybe American Gods, uh, who knows what. Shannon Clark, who has been my podcast friend and uh, brother for oh so many years is joining me tonight shannon welcome to the show hey thanks jesse it's great to be here um sadly my uh knowledge about the music of bruce springsteen pales in comparison to my knowledge about game of thrones and the other topics we discussed but i shall try to persevere nonetheless well what led to this is um someone tweeted a road trip song or, or, or road trip playlist, and you tweeted like, "Oh well, you'd have to include Born to Run," but and and we got into a discussion, and so I, I mostly as an excuse, I said, "Hey, would you want to join me and talk?" He goes, "Yeah, well, you know." Shannon's like, "I'm always open to talking to you, Jesse," which <laughs> made me feel good. Um, just in case someone has not listened. Um, to uh, Small Council Matters, which was the Game of Thrones podcast we were part of. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, I'm probably close to your age, uh, Jesse. I'm uh, definitely at the tail end of Gen X. Uh, folks can probably tell by my accent as we go on that I am a native Georgian. <clears throat> Uh, I went to the University of Georgia, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I my first day on campus uh, was right around when REM's Murmur uh, was released. So I was in the uh, what was called alternative rock uh, capital of the world at that time, uh, right as it was all happening, and it was a beautiful thing. So I uh, and I went to UGA and. Uh, I was in Georgia for many, many years, took a brief detour through Maryland, and now I'm out in the Pacific Northwest uh, in Washington, uh, just on the border of Washington and Oregon outside Portland. How many years have you been out there? Uh, about five and a half, well, five and a half, uh, no, six. I think it's six in May. Actually, yeah. I moved out here like May 5th. Uh, so I've been out here. I love it out here. Uh, it's fantastic. I miss my uh, Georgia Bulldogs football uh, yes. going in person. Uh, but other than that, the uh, the weather is not too bad. It's more temperate, uh, more seasonality. You have beaches and mountains and rivers. Uh, everything is legalized. Uh, the political leanings out here are more in tune with my sensibilities uh, as opposed to the Bible Belt. Uh, Yes. So it's just a, a lovely place to be, and I can't see leaving. So. My um, this past weekend, I uh, I drove down uh, home to Louisiana. I had not seen my mom in a long time, and um, was worried about her a little bit. So we um, we packed up our masks, and we you know took very good stopped very few times on the road trip down uh to go spend the weekend with her and uh i will tell you um east texas and southwest louisiana give zero f's about wearing masks 
uh, we saw way too many Trump signs, and they made my <laughs> wife mad every time she saw one. And uh, I see you on Twitter, Jesse. Yes. And I, I don't understand how you can possibly watch those briefings, or uh, yeah. it's like you're a glutton for punishment. I know. know. It's, and, and she's reached the point now that if someone has a flag in front of their yes. yard, they're a Trumper. I just know it. I'm like, not necessarily. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so it was. Yeah. So I imagine um, we uh, luckily we're at least parts of Dallas is is a little blue. We're in a red, very red state. So, yes, I can imagine um, knowing you as as well as I do, that is a much better uh, political atmosphere there than it would be in uh, deep in the Georgia. Yeah, it's tough, you know, because the there's a lot of people like you come online uh, and like the really on online only online thing I do is Twitter and I have been on that forever, uh, but I keep a very small following uh, because I like to read every tweet. Yes. Uh, you know, and I if somebody bores me or whatever, then I'll just quietly unfollow them or whatever. Yeah. But I generally tend to follow people whose content I enjoy. Yes. And it's tough because there's this weird, you know, a lot of it started about talking TV, you know, Game right. of Thrones, whatever. Uh, and then a lot of it intersected with uh, Georgia Bulldogs football. Like there's a group of us, especially when you're not at the stadium, that every Saturday jump on the Go Dogs Twitter and are talking about the games. And there, there's, you know, uh, people – a lot of Southerners who are obviously way more conservative than I am. And yes. some of them can't shut up about politics and then they just go by the wayside. And then yeah, others absolutely. are, it's like, look, dude, I know we're completely different, but if you want to talk about, you know, Bosch or classic sitcom scenes or who's going to be the starting quarterback next year, I'll let the rest of that slide. Right. You know, and I'm sure they feel the same way about me. It's like, yeah. you know, look, you dope smoking hippie. I don't want to you know, <laughs> yeah. hear about politics. Yeah. So. Um, speaking of um, TV, not dope smoking hippie. Um, uh, well, anything... Speaking of dope smoking hippies, yeah. that's like how this whole thing started, because I was the one who started the thread. It was a Friday yeah. night. I was bored and I was uh, listening to my playlist through my home stereo in my living room and catching a nice buzz. And I'm like, what would be a great driving playlist? And so I, the ones that had to be on there for me, I kind of started it with radar love and call me the breeze by Leonard Skinner. And I'm like, then I started taking suggestions and everybody started chiming in. And that's what led to that whole thing. That's interesting. Do you, um, well, I'm going to jump to that. Um, do, do you do a different playlist any time you go on a road trip? Because I tend to think about that. Like, now this time going to Louisiana, I didn't because it was just – it's going to be a quick six-hour drive and six hours back. And I knew that, um, you know, we weren't really on vacation. But, like, if we were – when we went to Memphis um, earlier this year for a, for a vacation and we went to Atlanta a few – um, last year to see Rachel Maddow, speaking of, you know, being liberal, um, right. you know, I built a playlist. And so um, and I will do often themes. So how about you? Do you do different themes? Do you do different playlists for different trips? Not necessarily always for a road trip, but for different moods, because um, a lot of times when I'm in the car, I have uh I don't do any of the like Pandora or Spotify. I don't do those. Okay. Um, since the early days, I was a big fan of if I'm going to listen to it, it's either going to come on naturally. But that's why I still keep direct TV because I like the surprise of flipping channels and coming across something that delights me. Oh, here's a law and order. I haven't seen or Oh my God, this is like balance of terror, classic star Trek or whatever, you know, yeah. even when I have these things and I can get to them at any time, if I really like them, you know, uh, but I like that surprise. And so I don't do the streaming, but in, I have XM, uh, for my car. Uh, and then I listen to a lot of podcasts, 
uh, when I'm around the house or in the shower or in my garage or driving uh, or going to the grocery store. And then I have my iTunes, which is where all the music that I purchase or burn from CDs way back when or whatever. So that's kind of my deal. And then I'll make playlists like the driving one came up and we started talking about that. But there were themes like there's like at the movies, which is uh, songs from movie soundtracks. And then there's at the movie score, which is just movie scores, but all wordless, you know, not pop songs or whatever. And there's I have one called Can't Feel Bad, which is like songs that just genuinely make me happy when I listen to them. So think of something like Mr. Blue Sky, upbeat, peppy. Yeah, you know, super happy, something like that. Yeah. And then Walking I have on so- sunshine, Katrina and the waves. I don't know if it's yeah. necessarily a great song, but that is a song. Every time I hear that, I you know I start bopping, right? Right, exactly. And so, and then I have like uh, shake that ass, which is my dance playlist, or I have one called the weasel, which is all about pop songs, and it could have like you know, Britney Spears and boy bands and uh, Christina Aguilera and, you know, just good, fun pop songs. And then I have uh, On the Tube, which is TV theme songs. And I'm of the age when I remember when they actually had theme songs like Gilligan's Island and Green Acres that you could sing along to and they were fun. Yeah. You know, so I make playlists according to... That sounds uh, fun. Yeah. So, and I had a lot of fun on the... uh, the driving one, because for me, like there are lots of songs, like you said, a road trip, you could do it based on, I want to hear some music from Nolans, you yes. know, or I want to hear some uh, West Texas boogie, or I'm going to Memphis yes. and it's a combination of blues. And uh, so driving to me was about, it's got to be up tempo and it's got to make me feel like I'm jumping in my hot rod, putting on my sunglasses one hand on the wheel, one hand on the shifter, and I'm gone. And it's yeah. just the pure feeling of driving. Sure. And so that's kind of where that came from and, and how I do those. And then I have like, you know, uh, Olive in a Martini, which is like classic swing music. Uh, oh, that's like Sinatra nice. and Tony Bennett and, you know, that whole milieu. So, yeah, I just make them according to different moods and whatever. And then I have um, some segmented by eras. Like, because when I listen on XM, it's mostly 70s, 80s, 90s, and all the variations of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, that's that's very cool. Um, we ended up finding, because <laughs> um, we have Sirius XM and Willie's Roadhouse, um, among all their country stations, was playing all this 50s and 60s country music. That uh, because of Ken Burns' documentary, Linda has right. a little more interest in than normal. Uh, you know, she's like, I I want to know more about that. So we spent a couple hours listening to that, and uh, we're amazed. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But from a historical perspective, it was all kind of fun. So and I have one that's like just uh, covers. That's all cover songs. You know, yeah, that's so that, great. You know, stuff like that. I mm-hmm. have a country one. Like, I think the first music I really remember listening to as a kid was country. Although my my parents were rather eclectic in their tastes, especially for uh, the '60s and early '70s in uh, Northwest Georgia. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. What What do you remember listening to as a kid? Well, there's, you know, there's the, everybody goes through phases. And the first phase I remember is purely parental inspiration. Sure. So, you know, whatever they put on the radio or whatever records they put on, because it was definitely records at the time. Uh, and then eventually over time, my dad went through records, reel to reel, eight track, cassette, you know. Everything he had to get a new 
hi-fi system, as they called them at the time, or audio, and it was always sure. an important part of our home and our uh, den Absolutely, and yes. all that. So, And then, you know, I was one of those kids where they gave me music to put in the jukebox uh, when we would go to pubs, because that was also a part of growing up. Because I was born in Georgia, but we moved to Wisconsin for 10 years in a little small German town outside of Milwaukee, and then moved back when I was like nine years old uh, back to Georgia. But... Uh, my parents were big into playing cards and bowling and then taverns and pubs were all family oriented. Sure. So the parents could sit there and play cards and drink pitchers of beer and the kids could sit there and, you know, I would read a book or read a comic book or play pool or do whatever. And so there was a lot of country. Um, but and then my, and that was usually the radio station. And then my dad's collection, like he would play stuff like Sinatra uh, and Boots Randolph uh, and BB King. Um, and then like the, the big acts at the time that both my parents loved were the Eagles. Cause that was that middle ground between rock pop and country. Absolutely. So that was kind of like the first thing I remember listening to music and then also variety shows, because as we've discussed, you know, we're tube fans. And then that was like this weird phenomenon of the 70s that everybody had a variety show. Yeah. Know, and everybody sang on it. And then you have people like Sonny and Cher and Dinah Shore and Merv Griffin and Carol Burnett and whatever. If you like the Starland vocal band had a variety show. They, they did. Hit, and it was a summer a replacement show. show. I remember that. Um, I used to love, in fact, we talked about this guy. Mac Davis had a really good variety show because he would always do a segment yes, where Matt he did Davis, improv, right. improv songwriting, where he would sit there and use the audience would give him and he would work on a song while they're talking. And that was that burned a segment. It was always fun to me. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about improv back then, but, you know, that's exactly what it was. The same thing you do improv comedians. He would just sit there and, OK, give me a topic, give me a topic. And he'd write a song. Um, well, and there's a whole segment of like uh, like Matt Davis and uh, Ray Stevens and Roger Miller and, you know, that were witty and funny. And, yes. you know, Jim Stafford. You know, and had great wordplay uh, yes. and were just fun, too. And we yeah. don't see much of that anymore. But that's the kind of stuff I listened to. And then as yeah. I, I didn't have an older brother. I'm an only child. And I know a lot of my friends were the older brothers of people my age that would pass on to them, like, Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and, you know, introduce them to that. But we had one popular radio station on the FM dial uh, when I was – in my formative years of like uh, junior high and high school called KZ 106 and uh, out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we always used to joke that they had like a big box that they would put every record in and then just pull it out and put it on whatever it was. So you could go from, you shook me all night long to Whitney Houston to Sonny and Cher to, you know, Ozzy Osbourne. There, there was no format. So you, we heard a little bit of everything. You bring up a good point, and especially today, um, as you listen to XM Radio or Sirius, you know, you can pick whatever you want. Like, I can pick the 70s channel. I can pick right. – and, you know, the 70s on the weekend will do American Top 40, which is – we always try to catch that for a road trip because that's a blast, you know, down – because I remember being – in my bedroom with my AM yeah. radio on Sunday, listening to Casey Kasem top 40, you know, and, and, you know, waiting yeah. to see what was going to be number one or yes. the long distance dedication. Oh, absolutely. And those <laughs> letters and then the stories about these people. And, um, and, but, you know, there is a, there is a Beatles channel. There is, Oh, yeah. So yeah. you can find anything you want, and yeah. that's great. And then also the portability now, like in the past, you had an 8-track or a cassette, and I yes. remember I got one of the very first in-dash CD players for my car in college. Yeah. But now it's like I have my iPod. I still have an old classic iPod yeah. connected uh, and that I leave in my car, 
Uh, plus, I have my phone with me, and all my music is on every device. And so if I just want to, I can say, ooh, I need to hear Purple Rain. Boom, play it. You know, you don't have to wait yeah. for it to come up. And when I was a kid, we used to take a cassette recorder and wait till the song comes up to hit record. And then you always had the DJ talking over the intro, which was a skill uh, yes, that I didn't did. appreciate then, but I do now. Yes. Um, you know, and so now it's so finely, it's like, I want to hear, you know, songs from the White Album and inspired by the White Album. or. Right. You know, so-and-so's blue period or whatever, and it's not the big grab bag like I experienced. But I, I will tell you the one thing that made a huge influence on me. I think I was seven or eight, and for Christmas, my parents bought me the set of albums. It was like when they used to do collector's LPs. that sure. was like a spying book that actually had like maybe six or seven records in it that folded up like a photo album. Yeah. And it was called The History of Rock and Roll. And so it was the actual licensed music, you know, Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Bill Haley and the wow. Comets, Danny and the Juniors, all that. And they would play the songs in their entirety. And then they would have snippets of broadcasts. And they had like little bits from Alan Freed and Wolfman Jack and, uh, you know, all the, the legendary DJs. And then they had a, a part that was a narrator that talked about like people protesting Elvis's hips on TV, you know, or whatever political turmoil had to happen of it. And it was, it was like a, cause I was the kid that used to sit on the couch and read the encyclopedia. You know, I, I loved history and information and learning about things. And so this was a great way to say, this is what rock and roll was. And it was kind of from those early origins. And I think it went up kind of through, uh, the beginnings of the British invasion. And so I used to listen to the hell out of that, and it was a good foundational base for how a lot of these things would come about. So I'm so jealous of that. I would have loved that. But I do need to comment. Um, my grandparents uh, were in Rose Pine, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. um, and when I would go visit, they had a set of encyclopedias that had to have been from the 50s, maybe the <laughs> 60s. And I would, um, if I didn't have anything else, I would just grab a volume and would I'd start at the beginning and just would, I, now I was picky. I, you know, if, if the, if after a few sentences, the topic didn't interest me, I'd skip to the next one. But I, I, I don't hear too many other people sharing that memory. So I'm right there with you. And I was tempted, <laughs> um, to take those so outdate encyclopedias um, after my grandparents died and bring it here to uh, Dallas. And I believe the only reason we didn't is Linda looked at me because that was a heavy set. I mean, it was like, I don't even, like it would have take my trunk, you know, and brought it down. Uh, so yeah, if that's a great memory. If you had a lot of space and shelves, that would be an awesome thing to put on them. Yeah, you know, just to have those sitting there. And then you go look up like the moon and it's yeah. like, oh, this thing that orbits the Earth that nobody will ever go to. Yes. You know? <laughs> well, and then also because I, you know, I it, it, exactly, you know, just it that and at the time was the most up to date data. Uh, that's that's hilarious. That's that's great. Um, so when you got out of by the way, interesting point about being an only child. One of the things that we talk about here, Shannon, in uh, podcast when we're talking to about growing up is siblings play a big part. Um, if you're the oldest, then you tend to be an influencer to right. your younger siblings. Or if you're a younger sibling, you either are influenced either positively or negatively. Sometimes you you rebel against what your older brother right. or sister likes and you find your own path um so and it's weird i had peers and then two yeah. of my best friends growing up had brothers that were like 
three years older than them. So I, I kind of came in and I understand the dynamic, even though it's an only child, there's a lot about siblings and whatnot that just goes completely over my head. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can imagine that that has to play for a lot of your uh, listeners and guests, yeah. a huge part in determining what your eventual taste will be either from a positive or negative standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's often the story that, um, you know, an older brother or sister will get you into Bruce as we're talking to the story or get you into rock and roll. Um, you talked about going to uh, going into college and <clears throat> you and you kind of hit this this prime time of era of a certain kind of music. Share with me a little bit more about that. Well, I think everybody kind of uh, not everybody, but if you're my age, if you're Gen X, you certainly remember the beginnings of alternative music. And so uh, there was some of it, it was like Tom Petty and the B-52s and the Talking Heads uh, and Elvis Costello appearing on Saturday Night Live and appearing on Letterman, you know, and they weren't getting mainstream airplay yet, especially on that station in Chattanooga I listened to, but there were college radio stations. Yes. Uh, and then people going to like what street records in Athens, Georgia, or, uh, you know, and people swapping tapes and, and doing these kind of things. So you start, you started to get exposed to things that you wouldn't normally. And so all along at the same time, there was a great confluence of events uh, for a while there. Uh, I mean, I guess starting with the B-52s and then R.E.M. and Dream So Real and Pylon. And, you know, there's a huge musical legacy in Athens, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you chart these little spots like, OK, there was uh, Memphis and there was Chicago and then there was Athens, Georgia. And then there was Seattle and, you know, where these things happen and a, and a whole movement or culture blossoms out of it. And I just happened to be in Athens at the time. Uh, the B-52s had been out and had been successful. Uh, REM had released the five-song EP before I got there, but Murmur just came out. And it was also the time that MTV was really hitting its stride. Like, I remember, I think it was my freshman year, we all gathered around the TV in the common area of our dorm to watch the premiere of the Thriller video. You know, yeah. so it was that kind of uh, scene. And then you had the people that loved the pop music. Uh, but then you had the people that were, you know, again, what I'm calling alternative for lack of a better phrase, but that it was like the violent Femmes and the smithereens and REM, um, you know, and all those bands that were right there. And U2 was probably they weren't American. They were a little more polished and a little bigger at that time. Uh, but it was still kind of of that same sound. You know what I mean? Yes, there was I do. rock, but it wasn't, you know, squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down my leg, you know, glam rock, uh, or hardcore rock or whatever. It was a different kind of sound. And I just, that became my music. And because of the town and everything, REM became my favorite band. And I've seen them in arenas and I've seen them in little, you know, tiny bars about as big as my living room playing under an assumed name or just showing up to jam with other acts. Not Okay, so this is a perfect time for me to interject um, one of my Springsteen questions. Yes. Um, I do not believe the amount of times you've seen your favorite artist is a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. There are people that have been seen Springsteen hundreds of times because they happen to grow up in the 70s, living in Jersey or New York, where you could see him all the time, right? There are people yeah. that have never had the chance to see him that are massive fans. But that said, you mentioned you've seen R.E.M. multiple times. Do you know how many times you've seen him? Not exactly. And before I, I tell you, the uh, there's something that we encounter in whether you're a fan of TV shows, you know, like Game of Thrones, and then somebody may say, oh, well, I'm a book reader, you know, yes. or, you know, do you know the currency used in Pentos? Or what? So, or it could be with Star Trek or Star Wars or comic books or music. Music snobs were around when I was in college. They're around today. I, me, I'm turned off by any kind of gatekeeping 
Yes. You well know, said, it's Shannon. like yes. you can say, hey, I heard Bruce Springsteen yesterday and I'm his biggest fan in the world. I know three songs and they're all awesome. And that can be great. You know, yes. I don't want to crap on anybody's fandom or say, oh, a real fan would have waited outside all night or, you know. Yes. So that said, I've probably seen R.E.M. close to 50 times. Okay. In some configuration. Like it could have been Peter Buck just jamming, you know, with Bill Berry and, you know, two other guys and Stipe was never there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. And by far the most I've seen. I am not a live concert person. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, su- I don't like crowds. I'll suck it up for a football game. Uh, and a lot of bourbon usually has to help make me feel comfortable amidst a hundred thousand yes. people. Uh, but I prefer to walk in, go where I'm going, sit down, order a drink, not have to wait to go to the bathroom and all that. So, uh, concerts are not that, but I've done, you know, I've seen the dead in a big, park and gotten filthy and tripped my balls off and yeah. i've been you know done the wine and cheese and uh outdoor amphitheaters and you know a lot of stuff but i was never a big concert goer so rem is by far more than i've seen anybody that's kind of cool though that's a um and there certainly is an rem springsteen connection they have performed together and there seems to be a mutual affection with each other so, well that's good to know yeah very cool. Um, so, um, you is there any shows that stand out, either REM or others, that uh, you may have a good story to share with us? Probably not an uh, – God, I'm trying to think. Like, there's some shows I've seen that were just tremendous, but a lot of these are – 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, after um, a lot of very intoxicating substances, shall we say. Uh, and so you remember, God, I had a great time. What happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, uh, but I love the intimacy when I've seen them in like the 40 Watt Club or the Uptown Lounge, yeah. uh, which are two legendary places in Athens uh, that, again, are not halls or theaters or whatever but they're small and you get a heads up that they're playing from somebody who knows somebody and you're in there with maybe 50 people and they're trying out new material or doing something and it's just fantastic yeah but i've also loved the big shows when they played at the fox in atlanta and me and i was just talking about this with uh, a couple of my buddies uh last week when we drove from athens to atlanta got a hotel um right across the street uh and it was uh an alternative lifestyle hotel shall we say okay. uh in the uh 80s that we didn't realize that because there was no internet there was no way to check we just knew it was across the street uh and so we got four guys checking into one room and we got lots of little knowing winks mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh but they they performed a tremendous show with the Fox. And then they often had great opening acts like driving and crying or dream surreal or whomever. And, uh, those are great. And, you know, but I can't think of any that's just like, Oh my God, I saw, you know, the last show that Elton John did or, uh, you know, the who or something like that. I've seen big bands, but none that stands out is like, that's must. Okay. You know, no problem. That's good. Um, I do a couple of questions and then we'll wrap it up. I don't want to keep you too long, but um, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what what are you enjoying on TV now? Um, <laughs> Did you like Watchmen? Is, I loved Watchmen. Uh, the problem now is that there's just you know everything is not on, and like exactly. in this time. I'm so excited about sports starting the masters and baseball season yeah. starting and football getting back to it. Uh, but there's nothing, you know, we're, yeah, my, it, it, they're not producing. So, but things like this season, a better call Saul was amazing. It really uh, was, wasn't it? Yeah. Kim Wexler forever. I, it's great. Um, 
Prodigal Son, I enjoyed as a new show. I that hit a sweet spot of it's not quite camp like all the way like a Ryan Murphy thing, but it has a very knowing sense of humor uh, with the lead, and they let Michael Sheen chew all the scenery, and I think that's very entertaining. Yeah, it. I I was surprised that my wife Linda wanted to watch it, and she ended up loving it, and so did I. Um, because you know I loved Good Omens and Michael Sheen mm-hmm. has been good stuff and so many other stuff and and you're right he his character plays he he plays that the 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 character itself is acting and every once in a while you'll see him drop the facade and you see right. how dangerous he really is uh, but yeah um, and then um, I keep. The little sister who was the security officer on the Orville, which yes. I keep seeing her going, oh, what? Um, this has been a really great cast. I mean, that is a top-notch cast. Oh, they are. Lou Diamond Phillips yeah. and Bellamy uh, <clears throat> Young. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh, both terrific. And so I still watch the Arrowverse, even though Legends of Tomorrow is the only one that still, you know, I think is fun. The others yeah. are just uh, not good. Yeah. Stumptown, I watch because I like Kobe Smulders and I like detective shows. Um, and it's also has the benefits of not being filmed here, but set in and around Portland. And they get a lot right. Uh, about um, that, I, I am hoping we get a second season of that. I I had not read the comic. I um, have neither. And uh, I picked up the first trade paperback, and it I see the similarities, but you know the TV show is its own. But I really and and um, I guess that Rockford, um, the someone who is related to either the writer of the Rockford Files or somebody um, said that Stumptown was a worthy succession, uh, you know, a a sibling or, you know, a um, kind of a tribute to the Rockford Files. It is and, very low rent, uh, yes. doesn't always win a fight, kind of a mess, colorful characters. Yeah, I was a huge Rockford Files fan, and it does give off that vibe. That's yeah. good. And so, so uh, I'm hoping we get a second season. Evil was good, too. Yeah, yeah. me too. So, yeah. yeah, I loved Evil. Um, I Westworld, I, I'm still watching. I thought this season was really good. Uh, although, at times, you know, you need a flow chart to keep up with who's who and what's going on. And So, Shannon, uh, I, I may have to, because I, I liked the first season. Yeah. I got confused during the second season and kind of gave up and i said okay i'm gonna rewatch the second season before the third season started and just like even watching the first episode i went this is irritating me so i dropped it <laughs> so I, I may have to go back if you say it's worth watching it it is and it's more self-contained and it's not as okay. confusing as season two okay um, i may have to try it and so there's you know there, it's more straightforward in the plot. Uh, objectives are clearly understood. Mm-hmm. It's a little more action based and less okay. philosophical than okay. the previous seasons. But I, I thought it was good, and they did it in two less episodes. It was eight this year. Good. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's you know if you've got time and yes. nothing new is being produced, yeah, then I would recommend uh, giving it a shot. So. Here's the important question. Um, during this pandemic, how's your bourbon supply, and are you getting any luck in finding more of the high-end bourbons there? That has not been a problem. There is a really uh, no. I just went. I posted a, a pic this weekend of me putting my little mask on and going to State Line Liquors. Uh, because it's weird. There's so many strange, quirky differences between Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Washington has no uh, income tax, but they have a sales tax. Oregon is exactly the reverse. So there's a liquor store, uh, World Beverage or uh, one of those, that's like literally a mile and a half from my house. And I was going there, and I look at the prices on the bottles, and it's like, okay, a bottle is $17.92, $35, whatever. Uh, but then by the time I check out, you see all the 
taxes that go on top of it. It's like, holy shit. So I just drive across the river, which is seven miles, uh, and then go to Oregon. And then the price you pay is, you know, what you get. So, but they've been open. Places do curbside. You can phone in an order. Like this liquor store is not that big, although they have a huge supply, but they only allow 10 people in at a time. So we have had trouble finding more of the high-end bourbon. Um, and it's funny, we were, uh, you know, we couldn't find Four Roses Single Barrel. Um, right. And so I was at this little bitty hole-in-the-wall liquor store that is near our house. Um, and I, I went in and I looked. I, they didn't have anything, you know, they nothing unusual. And um, so I go up to the counter and the lady working there and I said, so do you, she says, can I help you? I go, I'm just looking to see if you have anything, you know, behind the counter on <laughs> other bourbons. She goes, well, what are you looking for? I said, well, you know, Four Roses Single Barrel, uh, maybe some Eagle Rare. I said, and I know even better to ask about Blanton's. I'm never going to see Blanton's again. She goes, why do you say that? I'm like, it's been impossible. She goes, do you want a bottle today? What? Ah! And she pulls out a bottle of Blanton's. And uh, I didn't even ask the price. I went, yes, I want that. Well, it's um, funny you mention Eagle Wear because I keep I use Microsoft to do, and I, I'm yeah. a list maker, and so I have my running list of everything that I want to stock. Yeah. Uh, and then so once I use the last model of say Angel's Envy, then I uncheck it and it goes right back on the list for next yeah. time. Uh, but the one thing, like during this whole pandemic, I found everything I wanted from, you know, Buffalo Trace to Elijah Craig, Knob Creek. Woodford, what Jefferson Redemption, yeah. 1792, Basil Hayden's, you name it. But nobody has had Eagle Rare, and that's one of my favorites. Ah, okay. So well, my, yeah. My absolute favorite is probably Woodford Double Oaked, uh, yeah. but Eagle Rare is right there in the top five for me. And nobody has had it for like three months here uh, at any time. Yeah, so um, she, um, we ended up. I bought the bottle of Blanton's, um, and um, she actually had some Eagle Rare, but we, we decided we couldn't do both. So that's that's interesting. Um, well, good. Well, I'm glad to know that bourbon's hanging out because, you know, <laughs> that's important. That's very important. Well, and then the weed stores here also have curbside. So you can, uh, on their website or just via phone call, say, hey, I want the the Space Face bifrost hybrid and then just let them know and then give them your phone number then you pull up into a little designated parking space uh just like you're picking up your outback to go or whatever yeah uh and then they bring it right out to you you know what a country that is great that is very great Yes, it's yeah. amazing. So there's, you know, I miss people. Mm-hmm. It's been really tough. Uh, my girlfriend runs a uh, home care center for uh, elderly patients. Yeah. It's uh, not like a complete medical facility, but it's, you know, for in-home care that they need supervision and all that. Um, and so my girlfriend and her two kids, they live there in the facility. It's a thing. But. I can't go there and they can't yeah. come over here. You know, there's just, sure. There's too many risks for somebody that has so many right. underlying health conditions and they're elderly and whatever. And that's been a huge bummer. Uh, you know, and then my work is somewhat impacted because I do a lot of stuff with the food service business. Um, you know, not as much as some people, I haven't been laid off or, uh, anything catastrophic like that. Uh, you know, golf courses are just now opening them up, and the weather's just gotten nice enough here, so that'll be something to do. But yeah, it's been a it's been a huge change, and people always ask you, like, you know, how are you doing during this? And I was like, well, I worked at home, so I still wear the uh, same Starfleet T-shirt <laughs> to my quote unquote office every day that I did before. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't travel. You know, there, there are those yeah. differences. So, and I had me and three of my buddies had a golf trip to, you know, uh, three of my fraternity brothers, the same ones that were there for this, tying it back to the development of 
our rock and roll and music taste that were all at Georgia with me, all going to see REM, all these places and everything. We were supposed to meet in Arizona for a golf trip at the end of April. Mm-hmm. And obviously we had to cancel that. Yeah. But so those have been the biggest things. How are you guys holding out? We are good. Um, Linda, you know, has retired, so she isn't affected except, you know, my son is working from home. He had moved in last summer um, and was talking about in January, February, getting his own place again. And then kind of this happened. Um right. So he works in the front of the house. I work in the back of the house. And poor Linda is stuck in the bedroom watching TV. <laughs> she didn't want to get in our way. Um, you know, I, I got lucky. I had started a new job February 10th. And um, we were able to get everyone working from home doing – we do roadside assistance for both cars and RVs. So our business is slow because if people aren't driving, they're not – Nobody's on down. the road, right. Yeah, but overall doing well. Um you know, so far, no one in our immediate circle has gotten sick, so we appreciate that. We're kind of, you know, watching carefully and trying to decide. But, yeah, overall, it's good. It's real good. I was worried because, right, when did this officially start Start and people start talking about it? Like, yeah, uh, end of February, I guess. Sure. Uh, so right around then, I was sick as a dog for like three days, just coughing. Uh, and headaches and chills and nausea and everything. But it was, this is gross, but super wet. You know, like yeah, I had sure. a really stopped up nose. Yeah. But then I, and I was like, well, they say that it's not necessarily the runny nose is not a big component of it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I probably just had regular old flu. Yeah. Uh, or a bad cold or something. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, my allergies are terrible anyway. And any sure. given day, I'm blowing my nose. And I'm like, I yeah. wonder... If I somehow got it then, and that was just some of the other symptoms were layered on top of it, I don't know. You know, but I've been washing hands, sanitizing, isolating, masking, do whatever, except for the store once every week to 10 days, and obviously the the liquor store. So Absolutely. I am glad you're doing well. All right. I can't let you go without asking you a mandatory Springsteen question. Um, I gave you advanced warning, Mary question. So let me tell you what the Mary question is. Uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. And every year, except this year, uh, because of the COVID, um, he, he takes two days and his senior class and they break down the song Thunder Road as a poem. They break down all the lyrics. They look at the imagery that Bruce uses. They use uh, what word choices, what is he trying to portray. Uh, They compare this to The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Um, And then at the end of the two days, the question he asks his his class is, at the end of Thunder Road, does Mary get in the car? So, Shannon, that is your question. I mean, it's really Schrodinger's hot rod, isn't it? Yes, you it know, is. At the, at the end of the song, she, you know, if it's in a super state where she's both in the car and out of the car, if you don't know. So, and I think that's the, you know, a good piece of uh, fiction. Like, does the top at the end of Inception wobble? Right. You know, or something like that, where it's like just enough so that the listener whether they're empathizing with the guy in the car or Mary or whomever uh, can inject themselves into it and say, I would have gotten in the car. I would have not have gotten in the car. Uh, Personally, even though I think it's a a tremendous way to tease and leave a lot to the imagination of the listener, if it was me putting money down on it and somebody asked Bruce and he said, yes, this was my intention – I would bet she gets in the car. Okay, good. That's a good answer. By the way, as a non-Springsteen aficionado, I want to say something about that in just a second. But as somebody who's not steeped in the lore and culture and whatever, has he ever said? No, he hasn't. (laughs) Uh, Good on him. And I I have an episode coming up. Um, I took – about 45 different answers that people have given me 
and I spliced them all together. <laughs> and I email and I emailed the file to Jay, who's the one who gave me the story, and he listened to all of them. Um, and then we spent an hour and fifteen minutes talking about the different answers. Um, so that's coming up in a couple weeks. This will in a timey oh, cool. wimey thing. Um, it'll come up before your episode is produced, but um, I'll let you know. Um, and the different diversity, you you have a good answer, by the way. Um, but like one guy said, well, it depends. If the band is playing Thunder Road, she gets in the car because the saxophone solo at the end and the, the band playing is a triumphant that she gets in the car. They've won. But if it's Bruce by himself... When he's doing acoustical and he ends with where he kind of hums the ending, na 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 na, she doesn't, and he's driving and away. And it's wistful for what might have been and yes. missed opportunities and all that. But when the full E Street is kicking it, it's like we got in the car and yes. the dust flew up. Wow, that's an interesting interpretation on it. I like that. I like that it. Still maintains that Schrodinger's hot rod perspective yes. too. And um. And, you know, the other thing we brought up is I'd not heard Schrodinger hot rod. That was great. <laughs> um, but a couple of people, when I'm discussing this is, and you're in my generation, right? The Lady or the Tiger, that famous short yes. story. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, Jay is convinced she does get in the car. He thinks she's too afraid that she's the choice of you because it's all about making choices. And he, she has to abandon her fears and make that choice. Um, I'm an optimist, so I believe, of course, she does. But um, there's people that bring up the fact that in Bruce's song "Racing in the Streak," um, there is a line where um, Mary sits on her daddy's porch, uh, waiting for me. You know, on, on "Racing in the Street," and they said that's Mary, and that's the same porch. That she dances on at the beginning of Thunder Road, you know. Other Interesting. People, other people say that Mary on the river, right? You know, I she got in the car and he got her pregnant, and that's you know from <laughs> Mary. So, so when you do your episode with all the spliced together yeah. answers, um, are there going to be data points? Or are you going to say like I've talked to fifty people, you know, and sixty-seven percent say got in the car, and you know, I, thirty-three actually, he no. He did do that. Yes. He did share that. So um, he said, historically, women say yes more than men. Got in the car, yes. Yes, but he okay. believes partly is that is because they believe it's Bruce Springsteen asking them to get in the car himself. <laughs> and that um, men think, think of it more not as Bruce, but as the narrator of the song. Yeah. So um, it is it, it is always a great way to end every episode I have. Um, most people have an interesting take. Um, you know, every once in a while we get someone and I, I'm not, you know, they go, yeah, she gets in the car. Or no, she doesn't. And then that that's it. You know, it's, it's kind a of tremendous question. I, I like that. And even though like I had probably heard that song like on the radio or in the background or whatever, but I didn't own it. And I think I. You know, this is the point I was going to get to about Bruce. Yeah. Is when you asked me to be on here, I'm like, God, your audience will hate me and you'll hate me because I went to look in my iTunes. Like I have about 5,000 songs in there. Yeah. Uh, and I had two Bruce Springsteen songs. I had because I have a uh, Christmas playlist called No Manger and it's all Christmas songs that aren't religious. Right. <laughs> and so I had Santa Claus is coming to town. Of course. And then I had Cover Me, which is probably my favorite Bruce Springsteen song that, you know, if somebody mm -hmm. said, hey, what do you like? And I was like, I loved Cover Me, um, you know, because you couldn't escape Born in the USA. Right. Um, you know, and I that was the one that I didn't feel like got overplayed. And sometimes, like, I can hear Stairway to Heaven or, you know, whatever, a million, Freebird, a million times, never get tired of it. 
Uh, but some songs, when they get really popular, I'm like, I'm just burned out on it. Sure. And that Absolutely. was the way I felt about Born in the USA or whatever. So, but then after you told me I was going to be on here, I added like Born to Run, which has to be on any driving playlist, right? Yes. I mean, not just what it says, but the the ramp up and the uh, beats per minute and the propulsion of it. That's a great driving song. Yes, it is. So, and I was always of this, maybe it's a Southern thing versus a Northern thing. Cause like a lot of clients I dealt with were uh, from New Jersey and Philadelphia and whatever. And they're huge boss fans, you know, just like being from the South, you would be an REM fan or a Skinner fan or yes. a, a George Jones fan or, you know, or if right. you live out here where I am now, you, you love Nirvana and Soundgarden and what, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I never disliked Bruce. Yeah. Uh, and when he would appear on something and I always admired him because the tireless shows that go on for three hours and yeah. uh, he tells stories, you know, he has a great band that there's no like. Yeah. Everybody hated each other because somebody was getting too much credit and doing too much blow with the groupies. Yeah. You know, you don't ever see any of that. And so it's one of those things where you admire it, but it just doesn't hit your musical bone the right way so and make you a fan for life. What we might do sometime, um, in, depending on how we stay cooped up, but um, I, a couple of years ago, I did newbie episode, Shannon, where I picked 10 not so well-known Springsteen songs. And mm -hmm. I gave them to someone like yourself, who's not a real big fan. Right. And, um, and I said, okay, here's your homework. Go listen to these two songs. They're all available on YouTube. You don't have to buy them if you don't want to. And then we came back and then we said, okay, let's talk about each of those 10, what you thought about them. And to, to give a different perspective of, of Bruce's catalog. So I would love that. to do that. Okay. I, would, I would adore doing that, okay. especially if I could say, here's the kind of things I like. Um, and someone with an encyclopedic knowledge yeah. uh, of the entire catalog could cultivate and curate a playlist. It's like, I think these would, would really hit the spot for him. And, uh, because some of the stuff that, that I haven't liked, like Streets of Philadelphia. Yeah. It's too slow and haunting, and sure. that's just not my bag. If right. I want slow and haunting, I'll sit in a beanbag and smoke a joint and listen to Pink Floyd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so I like like Cover Me. That's why I like it, because you can hear the guitars. You can hear the band. It's that 4-4 four, four time, boom, 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 boom. Sure. You know, it's propulsive, and that's the kind of stuff that I like. Well, you know, I Maybe a ballad spice yeah. in once in a while or whatever, and I would love Glory Days if he didn't use the term speedball. <laughs> yes. Which Wait, I don't know why that's there. What, fastball is the same number of syllables. There's not, like, a huge bit of alliteration going on. Why would you say that and instantly alienate baseball fans? Never I understood. love that hot sports opinion that is awesome <laughs> you know go, come for your driving playlist and stay for the sports hot takes <laughs> exactly all right it's a date i'm gonna send you the uh, list um and it's 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 from throughout his career there's some fast ones there's some ballads uh and you could listen to them and you come back and like what i told everyone in the past i said look i don't care if you hate them I said, the point is you need to talk about them. Like, right. it, it's a bad podcast. You go, yep, like that one. Okay. Oh, Got like it. another one that I bought yeah. when I was adding, uh, Rosalita. Yes. Love Rosalita. I mean, how can you not like that? That's just yes. joyous and triumphant. That is. Yeah, you're right. That's good. Okay, good. We're going to make that happen. Um, Absolutely. Shannon, this was a blast. I knew it, it would was. be. We always have so much fun talking to each other. Um, just listeners, if you don't know <laughs> – it was Shannon, Wendy, Christine, and I um, talking Game of Thrones, and we could spend two hours talking about a 10-minute preview <laughs> of the upcoming season. Yes, we did. Those were like – and it's funny because as the uh, seasons got shorter, our conversations got longer yes. you know, on each one. That was a blast, and I really hope – when um, 
the Targaryen prequel ro- rolls around that will all dust off our uh, our mics and you know our yeah. vivid descriptions of meals and uh, our wine and we can drink and know things then too. Absolutely. All right. So Shannon, if someone uh, you I know you're on Twitter, so give us your Twitter handle if someone wants to you to talk to you about bourbon or good TV or uh, Georgia football. <laughs> how can they reach you? Uh, it's at T-N-R-L-M. And I chose that because when I was, you know, first starting out in Twitter, Shan or Shannon was taken and I didn't want to use a whole complicated thing of like asterisk and underscores and whatever. But I also had a blog uh, on the old blogger platform that I used to write on virtually every day. Uh, and I called it the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind which is from one of my favorite comedies, Young Frankenstein. Right. Uh, and that phrase also just stuck with me. And so that's what I named my blog and my Twitter. Uh, if you can't remember the letter, just think the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. Uh, and the uh, at T-N-R-L-M. And then, like, I hadn't used Blogger or posted on that blog, like, in six years yeah. more. Uh, but I got inspired by all the dialogue surrounding the driving playlist. And so I actually posted a printout, a PDF of all the songs that I added to it. I think it's like 140 something songs now. So if you're interested, you can find that there as well. All right. That sounds great. I appreciate it. Um, Shannon, so much fun. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, uh, I will send you the playlist. We'll talk again. Please be safe. Please take care of yourselves. Um, and, uh, listeners, you take care of yourself. Uh, let us know what you think and we will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for having me on Jesse. It was a blast and you stay safe as well. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, that listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.